0: What's up, A12? How you guys doing tonight? That's what I'm talking about. So tonight, tonight we're gonna do some things a little different. I'm gonna give the message first and then we're gonna kind of backload the service. We got some worship that we're gonna do at the end. So who's ready for some worship tonight? Yes. Now here's the deal. We are in week two of this series called Alive that we're doing. And last week we talked about how the Bible, the Word of God is living and active. That it's alive. That when we, lead, when we read it, when we begin to soak it up in our lives, that it goes to the core of who we are. And we become alive because of the Word of God's influence in our life. We become, we become, we become more alive because of the Word of God's influence in our life. And so when we begin to soak up the Word of God, it begins to change us. This is a, an amazing thought, an amazing deal when you're a believer and you begin to get into God's Word and God begins to speak to you through His Word. Now, as a part of this series we gave you guys out last week, a, a 30-day, a live Bible reading plan. And so if you did not pick up one of these last week or uh, if you left it in the room or if you were not here last week for whatever reason, make sure that you pick one of these up on the way out so you can follow along with this. And we're asking uh, each of you to commit to 30 days in God's Word, 30 days in the Word of God so that you can grow and encounter God in a way that maybe you never have in your entire life. So tonight we're going to get into week two of Alive. That was a good one. (laughs) Now, where are my ladies at? Okay, so here in a second, I'm going to show you something that I am confident that you are going to respond more to than the guys in the room. All right, so you guys ready? Here we go. That's right. Babies! That that is my little girl, Abby. Abby. Uh, actually, this is back before she was even one year old. She's a little over two year old now. This is the old picture. She's chilling. She's just uh, like uh, like cool from the beginning. Now, listen. There is something that is hardwired in us, late in in us, ladies, right? Uh, there's something that's hardwired in the ladies where. You just, you just love babies. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are like, all right, look, Derek, like I'm a lady, and I don't necessarily love babies. So well, I'm here to tell you that one day when you have your own baby, all of a sudden, something in you begins to stir. And even if you don't love babies now, you are going to love babies then. And, and babies are cute. Now, listen, I, wanted, I want you to know where the source of Abby-ness, Abby's cuteness came from. Let me show you. Let me show you. Here we go. That's me. That's right. That's me right there when I was a baby. Now this is pre Y2K. Who's pre Y2K? Who grew, Who was born uh, after the year two or before the year two thousand? Yeah. Who was born? Who was born after the year two thousand? Raise your hand. <laughs> Boo! Shout out to they're like they're like uh. All right. Yeah, man, I was pre Y2K. In fact, that picture was from nineteen eighty one. Yeah, that's right. I am old. I am old. So, where are my dudes at in here tonight? Where are my where are my men at? Where are my men? Here's the deal. I need I need uh, I need a couple guys in here, a couple big guys. I want some big guy. Where are my where are my big? Come on up here, Josiah. Where are my you got? Right, I got my man back here. He's raising hand. Come on up. Where are we at? Where are we at? Some of my big guys. Where are we at? Devin Miller, D. Miller. Come on up. Y'all come on up here. Y'all come on up. Now listen. Now, as you guys are coming up, this is the deal. I want you to pick a lady. I want you to pick a lady in the room. Pick any lady in the room. This is not like picking them as a life partner, it's just for a game. No, a a lady. A lady. Man up, soldier. It doesn't matter. Like I said, this isn't for a life partner. This is why back in the day they did arranged marriages. Come on up. Come on up, Molly.
1: Kristen,
0: Kristen, come on up. Who else we got? Who else we got? Come on up. All right. All right, so you're going to come up here on the stage. Guys, this is what I'm going to need you guys to do. I'm going to need you guys to sit on the edge of the stage. I'm going to need you all to sit on the edge of the stage, feet down, just facing out, all right? So you all do that there for a minute. Now, we're going to have a little bit of a contest, a little bit of a competition. And uh, here's how the competition is going to work. Uh, each one of y'all pick a dude. You each pick a dude. And, uh, are you lactose intolerant? Anybody? Good. All right, here we go. And if you are, even better. And so, so this is how this is going to work, all right? They're going to take the cap off of the bottle. And, uh, and, and when I say go, they, they are going to feed it. So you're not allowed to touch the bottle. You're not allowed to take the lid off. They are going to feed you with a bottle. And I'm going to give you guys about 30 seconds. And whoever can drink the most out of the bottle in 30 seconds wins. And you guys cheer them on. You ready? All right, here we go, ladies. Here we go. Here we go. You can put it in their mouth on three, two, one, go. Get it. Get it. Go. Go. You can do it. You're spilling it. Leave the lid on. Leave the lid on. No, leave the lid on. (laughs) <laughs> hey, quit. Hey, stop. All right, stop. Let's see where you're at. Let's see where you're at. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh, all right. Let me see what you got over here. We have a winner. Give it up. Yes. Hey, way to be a good sport, guys. All right, y'all can have a seat. I wish I could give y'all a prize, but uh, <laughs> that was kind of lame. y'all give it up for him one more time thank him so much now listen did that feel a little weird to anybody (laughs) a little awkward right I mean it's a little abnormal when you see like a man drinking out of a bottle right like that that doesn't make sense and listen this is the truth the truth of the matter is is that that if a man is drinking out of a bottle uh he's going to begin to wither away right like physically a man needs to eat food does that make sense physically a man needs to eat food if a man is drinking on a bottle all day long he's not going to get the nourishment that he needs to grow up physically and in the same way the bible is like the source of food for us in our, in our life. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. God's word, God's word is spiritual food. That's what it is. That's what the Bible would say that it is. And this is significant for you because for us in our lives, we have to realize that that when we begin to to soak up God's word, when we begin to eat it, it begins to nourish us spiritually. Now, I want I want to kind of frame it for you like this. Some of us and this, is, I'm going to show you why it's important for us to be in the Word of God, why it's important for us to soak it up in our lives. Because for some of us, the, wor- the only Bible that we get during the week, the only time we're ever plugged into the source of spiritual nourishment is on Sunday morning or Tuesday night. Now, that sounds like, well, that's enough, right? Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, like I come on Sunday morning. Like the church and then I come on Tuesday night and I get to hear great teachings and, and, uh, and, and I get to learn about God's word. And I get to learn about who God is and how amazing he is and how that changes my life and affects my life. Now that sounds normal to us because in our culture we think that's a big commitment. But I want you to think about it from this way. Let's say I told you that I only eat breakfast on Sunday mornings and dinner on Tuesday nights. I don't eat any other meals during the week. I only eat breakfast Sunday morning. And I only eat dinner Tuesday nights. Now you'll probably be like, dang, well, I'd say right now I'd be hungry. Anybody else, by else be hungry if you only had two meals a week? Yeah, and this is what happens. What happens is, is that if I only had two meals a week, I would start looking like one of those dudes on like Survivor. You know, like I would start like withering up and I would, I would begin to look frail. You know what I'm saying? Now, now you know I don't miss meals, you can tell. And, uh, but I always start looking frail, right? And listen, I want you to hear this. When you are physically frail, when you are physically frail, it's easy for you to be taken out. And when you are spiritually frail, it is easy for you to be taken out. Let me give you an example of this. My grandfather, he's in his mid-80s. He eats like a bird. He barely eats, and it's because he can't eat that much. He's, he weighs about 100 pounds. He's in a nursing home. He has to have 24-hour care. I love him. Growing up, he was the picture of a strong man. He was a farmer, and he was a farmer still bailing hay and doing stuff like that until he was 80 years old. But now, in his later years, after a, a few knee replacements and hip replacements and beginning to slow down and slowing down his eating, he is so frail now that he can't even stand up. He has to have someone take him to the bathroom. He's frail. And what's interesting about it is, is that he's got a few situations going on medically that if it was, this was me that had the problem, they would easily be able to go in and fix it. But because he's so frail that if they were to do surgery on my grandfather, they say that he would not make it out of the surgery. Because he's so frail, his body wouldn't be able to take it. I was uh, doing a funeral about uh, six months ago, and I was at a funeral home over here in Buford. And while I was at the funeral home, I was talking to uh, the guy who was the, the, the owner or the director of the funeral home. And he says, yeah, man. He says, man, we've actually had a lot of people pass away over the last day. We've been super busy. And I said, well, and I, I, that, you know, that response kind of intrigued me. And I said, well, I mean, is, you know, what do you think contributes to that? He says, well, yesterday there was a drop in temperature of 20 degrees. A cold front came in, and he says, as a result of that cold front, a lot of elderly people that are frail passed away. He said, literally, the change in pressure, the change in temperature, things like that are enough to push someone who's frail over the edge. Now, students, here's the deal. What happens is this, is when we come on Sunday morning, and we get some of that, that word, and we, we get filled up, and we walk away out there, and we're excited, and we come on Tuesday night, and we get filled up, and we get excited, but then all the other times during the week when we're not in there, and we're not feasting on God's word, when we're not nourishing ourselves spiritually, we become frail, and then we wonder why on Saturday night when we're at the party, and the temptation comes in, why we fall. We wonder why things in our life, tend to. we tend to keep going back to the same sins. We keep dealing with the same struggles. We keep falling over and over and over and over again over the same things. And the reason is because we are frail spiritually. And the Bible would tell us here, listen, man, this is spiritual food for you. And you need to tap in. You need to get some of this spiritual food. And I'll tell you that when we don't. When we don't begin to feed ourselves, we become dependent on the church to feed feed us. And when we do that as Christians, that becomes spiritually immature. Now, I'm not talking for people that are new believers. I'm not talking for people that, you know, they're trying to figure out this whole faith thing. But I'm talking about people, you've been a Christian for two years. You've been a Christian for five years. You've been a Christian for ten years. You've said that you've been going to church your whole life and you've been growing in this. Can you feed yourself and do you feed yourself? This is a big deal there are some things that are acceptable for an infant that are not acceptable for a 17 year old Like my little girl she's two years old and and uh, and and she when she doesn't get her way now uh, she's kind of in that little bit of that terrible two-stage she literally will just be standing there and she just like just throws herself just on the ground like this and she just starts kicking her legs and she's like Whoo! And she's like kicking or whatever. And so what I do is I just throw myself on the ground beside her, and I start going, ah! And then she starts laughing, and I start laughing. You know, we do that or whatever. Now listen, here's the thing. When you are a 2-year-old and you're throwing a tantrum, that is completely acceptable. But when you are a 17-year-old and you're throwing a tantrum, that is completely unacceptable, right? And for some of us, in our spiritual walk, there's things that are acceptable and things that are unacceptable. I will tell you that I think it's unacceptable if you've been following Jesus for a while and you don't have some way of feeding yourself if you don't do that on a regular basis. And I'm going to point you to some scripture here that I think will kind of help set this up for you. It's in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12. If you've can, if you've got your Bibles, you can open there. The page number is on your, your worship guide's. And I want to show you this because I think this is really uh, really solid truth and, and, and really something that you should soak up and listen to. He says this, verse 12. You have been believers so long now. In other words, he's talking to Christians in the church who've been around a while. You've been, Hey, listen, you've been around a while. That you ought to be teaching others. In other words, you ought to be influencing other people. You ought to be sharing the truths that you know with other people. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about the Word of God. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Focus in on that last sentence there. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. It's what we were just talking about. We see see that that it's important for us as believers at some point to get to a place where we are eating solid food, where we where we move from milk to steak. And there's an idea in Christianity that has led to some immaturity. It's this immature thought where it's like this in Christianity. Hey, man, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm a Christian. Like, I got this God thing or whatever. Like, I go to church. Like, I'm good. Like, it's all good. But there's no growth. There's no change. There's no progression Going on and I want to show you something that we see in this passage that I think is a pattern for how we are to grow ourselves up There's a pattern here And actually I think the Bible uses this physical pattern of us growing up as as kids into adulthood To show us how we to grow up spiritually the first is this if you want to write this pattern down the first is you get fed Number one is you get fed number two you feed yourself And number three, you feed others. So number one, you get fed. Number two, you feed yourself. Number three, you feed others. So as a baby, my mom and dad fed me. I was completely dependent upon every meal that my parents would feed me. For some of you that are in here, man, you're new to the faith. You've given your life to Christ recently. You've been baptized recently in the last year. God has been working some stuff out in your life. And the truth is you are in that part of your life right now where it is about you getting fed and you learning how to feed yourself. That is one of the purposes of this series, to help teach you how to feed yourself. Some of you, you've been growing in your faith. You've been around Christianity for a while. You've been around Jesus for a while. You have a relationship with him. And for you, you you are kind of like a spiritual toddler. When I was a toddler, I learned how to feed myself. My daughter is two years old, and she is perfectly capable of feeding herself. So I just get a bunch of food out, and I throw it in front of her, and she eats away, and she loves to eat, and she can feed herself. In fact, she doesn't even like it when I try to feed her. She has already taken the responsibility to feed herself. Like this morning, I was feeding her some little muffins, those little, like, little bite muffins, and I tore the thing off, the, the, like, you know, opened it up and I was taking them out of the bag and she's like, No, give me the bag. Whoa, girl, what's up? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I said, What are you saying? She says, Peace. And I was like, All right, whatever you want. And I gave her the bag. And then she reaches into the bag. She wanted to feed herself. Some of you, you've been, you're, you're spiritual toddlers. You, you, maybe you've been a believer for two years, three years, four years, five years. You've been around for a little while. And, and now it's time for you not only to learn how to feed yourself and, and to begin feeding yourself, but also to learn how to begin to feed others. Now I'm an adult. Now I'm an adult. Now I feed others. I feed my daughter. I feed my daughter every day. I'm preparing meals for her, and I'm giving them to her. At some point in your life, you have to grow up spiritually and begin to feed others. This is discipleship. This is what it means. Jesus called the disciples. They began to follow him. They had no clue what they were doing, no clue what they had signed up for. Jesus began pouring into them, feeding them spiritually. Then Jesus left them because they were able to feed themselves. And he goes into heaven, and then they start feeding others, and the church blows up. How do you know if you're a mature disciple of Jesus? You're feeding other people. That's what you're doing. You're reproducing yourself into other people. It's like when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul's not being arrogant saying, follow me. What he's saying is, is that, listen, I am following Jesus closely. So if you're following me, you're following Jesus because I'm following after Jesus so closely. And so we have a responsibility. We have to grow. We have to get to this point where we can begin to feed ourselves. So I want to read this in light of that. I want to read that verse again in light of what I just told you. You have been believers so, so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need, to, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. So here's my question for you. Where are you at spiritually? Where are you on this journey? And how long have you been in it? And if you've been in it for a while, are you feeding yourself? Do you know how to feed yourself? Do you have a daily time with God where you can feed yourself? It's why we're doing this daily devotional thing, allowing you to have the opportunity, giving you a reading plan, a dummy-proof plan so you can get in God's Word. Because I'm telling you, my favorite time of the day is when I get in God's Word and He begins to make me alive in Him through his word and he begins to nourish my soul and spiritually I begin to get built up and I feel like I can face anything every single day because of that it doesn't matter what the world does at me it doesn't matter what temptation comes my way it doesn't matter what suffering comes my way it doesn't matter what happens I know that God is near me and he begins to work things out in my heart and I want you to see what he says he goes on in verse 13 and 14 and he says this he says for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. In other words, if you're an infant, you don't know how to do what is right. Let, let, me, let me put that in spiritual terms. When you're a spiritual infant, you don't know how to do what's right. I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old. God radically changed my life. Dude, I did not know that cussing was wrong. I didn't know that the Bible addressed that. I didn't know that that was a big deal. And I had been a Christian like two days, and I was telling all these people, oh, man, like God changed my life and all this kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And we were out on the baseball field, and this dude hit a ball down the third baseline, and I went to backhand it, and it hit a rock, and it hit me in the ear. And every word that came out of my mouth for, like, five minutes started with an F and ended with a K. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was cussing up a storm. Like, I was going crazy because, I mean, it hurt so bad. I remember it now. Like, it was so painful. And one of my buddies, like, pulled me aside. He's like, hey, bro, like, that whole, like, Christian thing, man, like, Christians don't do that. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I have no idea. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The thing is, is that I was a baby Christian. I had no idea. You don't know what you don't know. And there's so much grace in that. I love when I'm, when I'm uh, t- uh, talking to someone who's about to get baptized on Sunday morning or someone who's about to get baptized in, in student ministry, and they say, man, you know, uh, like, I, I'll be honest, man, I was just a piece of whatever, and they'll, like, cuss right in front of me. You know, and it's like they don't, even, they don't even know. You know what I'm saying? And I love that there's the rawness of them bringing their brokenness to God and allowing God to begin to restore them. They don't, they don't necessarily know what's right. My daughter, she's two years old. She don't don't know what's right unless I teach her, unless I discipline her, unless I train her up, unless I show her as her father what is right. And as believers, how we grow up and how we know what's right is we get in God's word and we allow God, our father, to begin to work in our hearts. We allow him to begin to instruct us, to discipline us, to encourage us, to challenge us as our father in heaven so so that we can grow up. And that's what this this scripture teaches. Then it goes on. And it says this, solid food is for those who are mature. Duh, this is for those who are older, who are not just physically mature, but solid food of the word is for those who are mature, who through training had the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Let me read that again. Pay attention. Who through training, the mature, who through training had the skill to recognize the difference Between right and wrong. So how do we know what the difference is between right and wrong? How do we know what truth is? The Bible instructs that in us. See, what happens is this, is that we live in a culture where we're so afraid to say that something is wrong or to say that something is right because we're afraid that we're going to offend someone. The problem is, is that when everything is right and nothing is wrong, then we cannot have freedom because people's rights then become higher than truth. And people's rights can never become higher than truth because if everything is right and nothing is wrong, then stealing is right and murder is right and lying is right because I want to do it and it's my opinion so I get to define my own truth. And when you begin to think about it like that, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Because I know that when, when people steal and when people lie and when people murder, that brings destruction in relationships. And that brings destruction in this world. We can see that there is a right and a wrong. And if there is a right and wrong, there must be a moral law. And if there's a moral law, there must be a moral law giver. In other words, someone whose power is higher than us who gets to define what is right and what is wrong. But we live in a culture and in a country that is so afraid that if we tell somebody they're wrong, that we are offending them, that we literally cannot even define truth for ourselves. We don't even know what truth is anymore. And this is why he says those who are mature can know what right and wrong is. They can know what truth is. Now I'm going to show you an example of this. I'm going to show you a video. It's about three and a half minutes long, and it's worth it. Now, these are college students. College students. They have a high school graduating degree, and they are working for a college degree. Now, the question that is posed is around this idea of gender identity, but I don't want you to focus on that. What I want you to focus on is the way these college students, how they navigate around truth and how they navigate around what is right and what is wrong. Check this out.
1: There's been a lot of talk about identity lately, but how far does it go and is it possible to be wrong? We went to the University of Washington to find out. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification for differences. I think people definitely should have the ability to go into whichever locker room they want. Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity. You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether your sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. Well, so if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. I'll be like, why? <laughs> really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion. If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I'd say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. (laughs) I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion, and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions, just because on the outside, I would assume that you're a white man. If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I, it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out of my way and tell you, no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay. He wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Probably not I guess I mean unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now If that's where you feel like mentally you should be then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people I feel like that should be a okay thing If I told you I'm six feet five inches, what would you say? That I would question Why? (laughs) Because you're not. (laughs) No, I don't think you're 6'5". If you truly believe you're 6'5", I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. (laughs) So you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, "Oh, you're wrong." Like that's wrong to believe in it. Because I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So I can be a Chinese woman. You, <laughs> um, sure. But I can't be a six foot five Chinese woman. Yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six foot five. Uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you are six foot five or Chinese or a woman. It shouldn't be hard to tell a five nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman. But clearly it is. Why? What does that say about our culture? And what does that say about our ability to answer the questions that actually are difficult?
0: I will tell you that I have lots of conversations with college kids and high school kids all the time. And in my experience, there are more people outside the walls of this room that think like that than think like I think. It shouldn't be difficult to decipher between right and wrong if you are mature. My daughter already knows that jumping on the couch is wrong. In fact, when she does it and I say, Abby, she goes, (laughs) she knows it's wrong. And I hope that one day when she grows up spiritually, she begins to get into God's Word and she comes to this place where she's eating solid food and she becomes mature. She'll be able to decipher what is right and wrong, not based on what the culture says is right and wrong or what our country says is right or wrong, but based on what God has said is right or wrong, based on truth. And guys, that is what we have in front of us today. See, here's the problem. The problem is, is that I realize in a room like this, we have tons of opinions about all kinds of things in our life. And most of them, many of them, are based off of the opinions that we have based on our life experience. Or, I don't know if you heard it, go back and watch the video. I post it on my, on my Facebook, so if, or, and I'll post it on social media so that you guys can see it. Go back and listen. Almost every person responded, well, I feel like, Well, I feel like, well, I feel like it's all based on our feelings, how we feel in our experiences, how we feel about the world and how we see things to be. It's based on the political party that we align with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm here to tell you that there's issues in life that are not political issues or social issues. They are truth issues. And intentionally... I want to talk about a controversial one right now so that you can feel the tension of it. I have been in conversations over the last year and a half with students from this ministry and in our church about abortion. And I've been having those conversations because in the last year and a half, around 20 students from our ministry at this high school ministry, have gotten pregnant. Now you don't think it's going to happen to you. And I had that conversation because that is not a political issue. It is not a social issue. It is a biblical issue. Let me give you what the Bible says. See, when you begin to read the Bible and you begin to understand truth, you begin to see it. Let me show you some of the verses the Bible says. Luke chapter 2, and the baby leapt for joy in her, st- in her womb. The baby leapt for joy. In other words, it was able to express emotion in the womb. See, what happens is, is that in, there is a movement that says, well, it's just a fetus. And if it's a fetus, then we dehumanize it. And if we dehumanize it, then it's not murder. It's interesting that if you were to murder someone who was pregnant, you get charged for double homicide. For some reason, that baby is considered a human. But if you were to kill a baby in abortion, it's not considered anything. I want to go on and read some of the scriptures to you. Just so you know, I'm just reading you a couple of them. But there are many more. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah 1.5. Even before I was born, God has chosen me to be His. Galatians 1.15 For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139, 13 and 16. Job 10, 8 through 12 Your hands shaped me and made me. Did you not clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You gave me life. Isaiah 44 2. This is what the Lord says Who made you, who formed you in the womb? Job 31 15. Did he not, who made you in the womb, make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? And I can keep going. God formed us in our wombs. That the moment of conception is when life begins. That when I saw my baby for the first time at seven to eight weeks old in Megan's womb, when I saw Abby for the first time on a a monitor screen from an ultrasound, Abby already had arms, legs, and a head, and you could see a little person there. And she was the size of like an almond. And I say that to say this. We live in a culture that wants to live, that wants to make, we we live in a culture that wants to make adult decisions but not deal with adult responsibilities. And that's a fact. If you think you are man enough to go out and sleep with some girls who are not your wife and you get them pregnant, you better be man enough. To bear the responsibility of that child in that mother's womb. And let me say it like this. And you say, man, why are you getting aggressive? I'm getting aggressive for a very passionate reason. And here's the reason. That baby does not have a voice. Let me be that baby's voice. Give that baby a chance at life. I know people that can't have kids that will take your baby. If you want to have an abortion, give it to me. I'll raise it. I'll make sure it gets a good home. I'll take care of it. I hear students tell me all the time, yeah, man, but, you know, we just can't take care of it. And, you know, I want to make sure it has a good life. And, and so I can't, like, make sure that it has a good life because, you know, like, I don't have a job. And I'm not going to be able to take care of it and all this kind of stuff. So it's going to have a bad life. And so, like, I'm okay, so here's the deal. You want to protect the baby. You want to protect it by not letting it have a bad life. But in the same sentence, you're talking about killing it. Think about what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. This is not a political issue. It's not a social issue. It's a biblical issue. I'm here to tell you today, I don't vote for parties. I don't vote Republican. I don't vote Democrat. I don't vote any of that kind of stuff. You want me to tell you what I vote? I vote abortion. If you're a candidate and you believe in abortion, I will not vote for you. If both candidates believe in abortion, I won't vote because I will never stand by and allow people to kill innocent babies. Now, let me go on the flip side of that. I realize in a room like this, there may be some people who have had an abortion. Because I've dealt with many people in ministry that have had that. And what I can tell you is this. It is not the unpardonable sin. The God loves you and he cares for you. And he is near to you. And maybe you didn't know the truth. And now that you know the truth, you can bring that before him. And I promise you, his comfort will be there for you. His peace will be there for you. We want to minister to you. We want to walk you through that in your journey. We want to help you get healing and restoration that. Because this is what I can tell you. Every person that I know who has had had an abortion, they never forget it. They never forget it. Never. I was talking with a guy last week, one of our students, who got his girlfriend pregnant. And I was talking to him about this because they were contemplating it. And I told him, I said, listen, man, give it up for adoption. Give the kid a chance. You can live with that. Even if you fathered it and you did what you had to do and it was a struggle 18 years from now. You can stand back and say, you know what, I'm sending him off. i got the rest of my life to live, and he's an adult, and he can take care of himself, and I can still have a relationship with him, but I don't have to bear the full responsibility of the dependence of, of this child anymore. That's 18 years from now, but I promise you, this will follow you for the rest of your life. You will never forget about this. It will always be a part of your story. This message isn't on abortion. This message on deciphering what's right and wrong. This message is on... Getting into the word of God and allowing God's word to inform you on what you believe and how you believe things. But I can take something super controversial in our society right now like abortion and show you as a follower of Christ where I stand on that. Not because it's my political opinion, but because it is what the word of God says. And this trumps any political authority. This trumps anything that we do in our life. I don't care if I'm taxed more. I don't care if they take all of my money out of my paycheck. I don't care if we have universal health care or whatever. It doesn't matter what I believe about that or not. It's not about me having more money in my pocket at the end of the day. God doesn't promise me that. Now, I have my opinions about that, but that is not the things that, that, that bleed in my soul. The things that bleed in my soul are the things that are matters of right and wrong. Things that are matters of life and death. Things that are clearly laid out in the Word of God. Clearly. And so that's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to be informed, to know truth. That as you begin to to get fed and learn how to feed yourself and then you begin to feed yourself and learn how to feed others and then you begin to feed others and you become mature in your faith that as a part of that maturity and soaking up God's word you are now going to know how to discern right and wrong you're going to have the truth of God in you so that when you wake up every day and you do whatever you do you'll be able to walk down the path of righteousness the path that you need to walk down because God's word is instructing you not the opinions of people and not the cultural norms of our society Society, but God's word, the truth that we all need. So, in your seat tonight, you got a little card. And I want to ask you to take, there's two blanks on the card if you see that card. And uh, it says alive on the front. There's two blanks on there. As we talk about getting into the Word, if you did not get one of these, um, these Bible reading plans, grab one this week. And I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to take that Bible reading plan. And I want to challenge you to write down a time on this card during the day where you're going to commit to spend time with God. And like we said last week, it might be five minutes. It might be 10 minutes. It might be 15 minutes. Whatever. If you've never read the Bible before, you never got Man, listen, just start with five minutes. Start with some milk. It's not about eating a steak day one. You don't have to go read a whole chapter. You don't have to go read a whole entire book of the Bible like in a week or anything like that. Now, if you want to, that's completely up to you. But start somewhere. Begin to feed yourself. Begin to feed yourself spiritually. And write down a time. Just try it this week. I want to challenge you this week to try to commit to the time. I've done this many times in my life where I say, at this time, was, this is my time with God. So then, if if it's at three o'clock right after school, and I'm like, this is the time I'm gonna spend with God, I'm gonna spend it with God from three to three fifteen. And my buddy calls me up and he says, Hey, dude, you wanna go play some basketball? We're all meeting up at we're all meeting up at Duncan Creek Park at three o'clock. You wanna come up there and play basketball with me? Ah, oh man, dude, I wish I could, man. But I tell you what, I could be up there at three thirty protecting that time, making it a priority. I think that's a big deal. Maybe it's waking up a little earlier in the morning. And so you're already like, you know, man, I already feel like I wake up early. So I'm going to go to bed 10 minutes early. So I can wake up 10 minutes earlier and I'm going to set that on my, on my alarm clock. The second thing I'll say is place. That's the time. Pick a place. Maybe it's your room. Maybe it's on the bus. Maybe it's sitting in your car before you get out when you get to school. But what is the place? Find a place that's this quiet. Find a place where you can get into God's word and you can grow and you can begin to allow God's truth to get, begin to just work in your life and do amazing things in you and through you. So that's my challenge to you tonight. So we're going to go into this set here in a second, and the band's going to come up, and we're going to have, you know, four songs just to worship and praise God. And in this time, I want to encourage you to just pray and ask God. To meet you in your time in the word. Ask him to meet you there. To show you truth. To grow you up. To help you be able to decipher what right and wrong is. So God, I want to pray over these students tonight, Lord. God, it is my heart's desire to see these students pursuing you with all their hearts. The truth is, Lord, like the quote at the end of that video. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. God, I pray that these students will be students to stand on truth. And if they don't know what truth is, Lord, that they would decipher, that they would figure it out, that they would get in your word, that they would ask questions, that they would come and talk to me. God, that you would help it make sense when they read your word. You would help it to come alive. That you would help it to make sense. So God, meet with us in this time together as we worship you. We lift our praises to you in Jesus' name. Amen.